0: The title, you can see if you have your notes, the title is Fresh Wind. And so, let me give you a little background on Acts. In Acts chapter 2, and and, and, guys, I I don't want to assume that everybody knows everything, right? So, I'm going to explain some things that you might know, but that's okay. It's good to hear it again and again and again, right? The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels and they're the account of Jesus' life from those four perspectives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, comes the book of Acts. Now, some say, in some Bibles it says the Acts of the Apostles, but really it is the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the lives of the disciples. And so Acts is a very important book because Acts introduces to the earth the person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so in the second chapter of Acts, they were in a prayer meeting because they, uh, Jesus, the head of the church, told them to go to Jerusalem, to stay there and pray and wait until they be endued with power from on high and he was pointing to the Holy Spirit, which he had been teaching them about for over three years, personally, on a day-to-day basis. And they were obeying him, they're praying and waiting. When the Holy Spirit came in the second chapter of Acts, it was decades later that we see in Acts 19 that there were two disciples, Apollos and Paul, they were not of the first uh, first apostles are the, 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 the twelve that walk with Jesus, right? Apollos and Paul, look at here. We're, we're Acts 19 verses one and two, it's there in your notes. While Apollos was at Corinth this, remember, this was decades after Acts two, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Now Paul wrote a book to Ephes, uh, the church at Ephesians, called Ephesus. Our Ephesians. It says there he found some disciples, Paul found some disciples, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Interesting, right? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So imagine, this was decades after the Holy Spirit came upon the earth through the church, right? Just like Jesus promised. And so here's Paul asking disciples, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed in Jesus? And they hadn't had any idea that there was a Holy Spirit. And so that is where we are today in the church. 2,000 years, two, two years later, over 2,000 years later, there are people that, that, that know the Father, they know the Son, but they haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And so that's where I'm coming from to deliver these four messages from you. I was part of that group um, you know, years ago, uh, 30 something years ago, I was part of that group. I knew the Father, I knew the Son, but I was trying to understand who this Holy Spirit was. And, uh, you, you know, there's still a lot of people in the body of Christ that, that don't understand who the Holy Spirit is. And there's reasons for that. You know, I think one of the, one of the biggest reasons is the Holy Spirit's been given a bad rap you know, some some ex- extreme things have happened and everybody thinks that, you know, this and that and the other and it just kinda, it, it really does just scare people off. But the, the next thing is the theology that's been taught, you know. Some teaching that has been taught is, hasn't been based on the Bible. It's been based on experiences or what people see on TV, right? And it's caused confusion. And so, I'm coming from that perspective where I want to explain to you because it took me some time, right? I think that's one mistake that we make on this side of the experience of the fullness of the Spirit that that we just expect people to just jump right... Like, God is instantaneous. And that's, that's not the case most of the time. Even Jesus, when He healed folks most of the time it wasn't an instantaneous healing right so we need to understand and we need to receive and and sometimes that's a process so stay with me for the next four weeks and let me explain to you the person of the Holy Spirit and let us demystify and de let me introduce you to him and uh... And let you know that he has a very important role in your life. A very important role in your life. And so we want to first look at the nature of the Holy Spirit through the two words that are translated Holy Spirit from the Bible. You know, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek, parts of the Bible, Aramaic too as well, but, you know, primarily Hebrew and Greek. You've got the first covenant, the old covenant, or the second covenant, which is the new covenant, the New Testament, Right? And so, in the Old Covenant, uh, Hebrew is the language. And I want you to write this word down. It's it's there in your blank. Um, Ruach. R-U-W-A-C-H. R-U-W-A-C-H. It means a wind. The definition is written there for you. A wind. This is the meaning in Hebrew. Breath. A violent exhalation. A blast of breath. Ruach. Everybody say ruach. Ruach. Now it feels like you know there's something maybe caught in the back of your throat when you say that at the end. Ruach. But if you want to say now now you know a little bit of Hebrew. If somebody says, Do you know Hebrew? Yeah, I know Hebrew. Ruach. (laughs) But it means breath, it means wind. It means a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. And when the translators translated Holy Spirit into Hebrew originally, they used this word. And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly glad they didn't use holy breath. You know, could you imagine God the holy breath (laughs) or or God the holy blast? Uh, But the, the term Holy Spirit is found over 800 times in the Bible. Holy Spirit, 800 times in the Bible. And so it was translated in different different places, different ways. Uh, some of our English translations use the word ghost, holy ghost. And I think this is maybe concerning for some people. You know, no, nobody wants to see a ghost or nobody wants to be seen by a ghost. And so when we say holy ghost, people kind of just, whoa, okay, I'm not sure about a ghost, But in Genesis 1, look at Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the, sp- the surfaces of the deep. And the Spirit of God, underline the word Spirit there. Can you imagine what, what word that is? Ruach. Ruach, the Ruach of God, was hovering over the waters. And we're going to see from these words and what they mean Uh, the nature of the Holy Spirit. Now, the second word translated Holy Spirit from the Greek, from the New Testament there, that blank, I want you to fill in the the next blank, pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. It means, from the Greek it means a current of air, a blast of breath, again, breath, the word breath, a strong breeze. And, and Jesus, the, the next scripture there, John 63, Jesus, this is words from Jesus. He said, the words that I've spoken to you are pneuma, and they are life. So Jesus is saying, every time I speak, I speak life. And the words that I speak, those words bring life. The, holy, the words from the Holy Spirit bring life, life. They're not normal words, or they're not vain words, or they're not lifeless words. They are filled with life. Holy, the Holy Spirit brings life. And so from these two definitions of the term Holy Spirit, let's look at this attribute of the Holy Spirit or the characteristic of the Holy Spirit associated with the word Wind our English word wind okay we're gonna use the word wind and some of its attributes to look at the parallels between the wind and the Holy Spirit so that we can relate to him so that instead of resisting him we invite him we need him he's he's beneficial to our life are you ready point number one wind is unseen wind is unseen. You know, uh, we lived in Oklahoma for a while. How many years? 10 years? 12 years? My wife lived in Oklahoma longer than I did, but I I was there for a little while. I was there long enough to know that the wind comes sweeping down the plains, and uh, there's tumbleweeds. There surely are tumbleweeds, Rolling around Oklahoma and the wind, sometimes the wind would blow for two days straight you couldn 't see it, but it you could feel it you, you could feel the effects of it right and and, and so can you, you guys can imagine because everybody's been in a place where you you 've been hot all day, and then you, you get under a shade tree and in the afternoon you feel this cool breeze, and you go, Whew, that feels good and somebody you know, nobody thinks you're strange when you say that outside. But if you were inside and you felt the Holy Spirit and you went, Whew, that feels good, they'd think you're strange, right? <laughs> what are you feeling? I'm not feeling anything. You just felt something? I didn't feel anything. But listen, is, the, the Lord wants us to sense his unseen presence. He wants us to sense his unseen presence. You know, uh, um, you can't run on your feelings, but it sure is good to feel what you're running on. Right? Feelings aren't bad, but you can't base your life on them. As, as much as we experience the breeze of the Holy Spirit, that wind, that unseen wind, we need to experience that, that, that sense from the Holy Spirit. As much as we sense physical breeze and it brings certain things to us, we need to experience the Holy Spirit. So number two, wind is unpredictable. It's unpredictable. First, first it's unseen. Oh, I forgot to read the, the Scripture there. John, let's, let's back up. Hold it on point two. Go back to point one and a half. John 14, John 14, let me read this scripture here, because there's a couple of points there that you need to to see, the Holy Spirit being unseen. Jesus says this in John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you, to help you, underline to help you, because, or maybe it's bold there in your notes, that's the role of the Holy Spirit, to help you, he's a helper. He comes aside you to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That is his role in your life. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. See, this is why the world laughs and scoffs at people who claim to have an intimate personal relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. They don't understand because they don't see and they can only believe what they see. God asks us to believe in things we can't see. Right? That's why faith is required to walk with God. Faith is required to have an intimate personal relationship with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So now, point two, wind is also unpredictable. You know, we're We're creature comforts. We're creatures of habit. We like things just the way we like them. When we find a certain thing in the store, we always go back to the same aisle and buy that same thing. And we get upset if the store manager has not stocked the shelf where we buy that particular thing. Right? If we pull into the church parking lot and somebody maybe, by mistake, it's a guest parking in your space... You don't, you've never seen that car. How dare they do that? We, <laughs> we become so predictable in our own nature, right? We have this ability to organize our life in a way that it is, everybody say, comfortable. And we're all creature comf- uh, we're all com- creatures of comfort, that we don't like anything unpredictable. Can you agree with that? And this is, this is the beef that somebody, some people have with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Wind is unpredictable, isn't it? Look at John chapter 3 and verse 8. John chapter 3 and verse 8. Jesus answered, the wind, guess what that word wind is? Pneuma. Pneuma, because it's in the New Testament. Numa." The wind. Uh, the word "wind" there is pneuma. The, the pneuma blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everybody born of the Spirit, pneuma, right? <clears throat> so, you know, we like God in our orderly, defined, comfortable box. And we've got to realize that God doesn't do it the same way every time. Why doesn't God do it every way the same time? Because he doesn't want you worshiping a system or a form or a fashion. He wants you to worship him. You know, we have our doctrine. We have our tenets of faith. We have our structure because God is a God of structure. So, in a sense, he is very predictable. But the third person of the Trinity, or the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is very unpredictable. <laughs> very unpredictable. Imagine Moses, and we were talking about "Show Me Your Glory," right? That's in uh, Exodus thirty-three. Mo- Moses uh, being attracted to this burning bush, coming and and. and encountering God at the burning bush, coming back down to everybody that he saw and said, you know what? The only way to have an encounter with God is to go to that bush and do what I did. Right? That's not what it says in the Bible. God didn't tell Moses to go back and tell everybody, come up to this bush and I will talk to you. And I'll tell you what to do. But there are many times that that, that we want people to tell us their experience. And then we want to experience God in the same way that they did. The Holy Spirit is unpredictable, guys. Remember when uh, the man brought Jesus, his friend, that he would... Jesus uh, would heal him from blindness. This man, a man had a friend who was blind, came to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you will lay your hand on my friend, he will see. Jesus did not lay his hand on the man. What did Jesus do? He hauled off and spit on the ground. Now, you say that's sacrilegious, and, and I'm being... Irrespectful, right? But no, that's what Jesus... He had enough spit in his mouth <laughs> to spit on the ground to make mud to put on the guy's eyes. Why did he choose to do it his own way? Because God, many times, is unpredictable. And I'll just say most of the time. It's not your way. It's God's way. Right? Right? Even to the point where we're praying and believing that God would bring revival to our nation. But listen, guys. Revival is not going to come to our nation and to our cities and to our state through our systems. He, it's going to come by His Spirit. And so we need to realize that the third person of the Trinity is parallel, has characteristics parallel to wind. Are you ready? to be shocked a little (laughs) blown away maybe (laughs) think about the upper room guys here's another illustration there they are waiting for the power can you imagine they're all sitting around for 10 days they're in the this prayer meeting punching each other have you felt any power no I haven't felt any power have you felt any power I haven't felt any power and then all of the sudden that's why the, the the word suddenly there was a sound They came from heaven, right? A a rushing mighty wind filled the place, tongues of fire, unpredictable. Jesus didn't talk about all those things because God is not those things, right? The Holy Spirit brings his power in an unpredictable way. Point number three, wind is powerful. Wind is powerful. The Holy Spirit is powerful. So, wind can generate electricity, wind can sail a ship all around the world, and wind can destroy the earth. Remember this past year, uh, Puerto Rico, you've got uh, hurricanes like Harvey, Irma, Jose, Maria. Destruction. Destruction. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. Everybody say power. Power. I know that there are some people in this place that need to receive power. Because the human problems that you're facing cannot be solved by human power. The situations and the challenges that we find ourselves up against in life can only be destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is why his disciples needed that power to go and demonstrate and to be. Jesus didn't say go wait in this place, receive power, to go and knock doors and pass out pamphlets and tell people who I am. No, we are supposed to be witnesses. Being a witness requires power. And so the Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is powerful. Listen to this quote from Charles Finney. Now Charles Finney was a uh, he was a nineteenth century attorney. This is an attorney in the nineteenth century who was a Presbyterian minister, highly educated, had a lot of knowledge about the Bible, and he said himself. Now you can read his autobiographies. Um, he said himself, he was comfortable knowing God through his mind. But he became hungry to to understand God and to know God intimately. And this is a quote from Charles Finney. He said, The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through It seemed to me to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. This is Charles Finney, who was, again, highly educated here, had little experiential knowledge of the Lord, but he experienced the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, in a powerful, powerful way. Guys, we need power. We're facing times today that we've never faced before. I'm telling you, I, I do understand that the enemy sees that it's his final stand. I mean, he is, he's pulling out every stop and there's an all-out attack on you and me because we're part of the body of Christ. So don't think it's strange if you're going through something that you just can't see past that is so big that is standing in your way, right? Jesus told us what to do when there's a mountain standing in our way. But in order for us to deal with that mountain that's bigger than what... It seems that life is itself, we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Say, say the, Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is powerful. Point number four, wind is refreshing. Wind is refreshing. Think about all those days uh, that will come up here in 2018 in July and August when, uh, when you've been in the grocery store, you come back out to your car and you've only been in there 30 minutes and, and it's 120 in your car. You get in your car, you don't want that big bag of ice cream to melt. So immediately you do something to get all that heat out of your car. You roll down the windows and you go, whew, as you take off and you just put some 90 degree air in your car and get rid of the 120. And, and it, but it still feels, what, refreshing. It's still real. It, 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 we all need refreshing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit, his Numa. And so <clears throat> God has great things for us. And, and he reveals those things to us through his spirit. So we need his spirit. We need His Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in a dry and thirsty land. Listen, I, as, a, as a teenager, when I was in high school, I became hungry to know all that God had for me. I was, I was born again when I was 11 years old. I came to know Jesus as my Savior. And I confessed Him as my Lord to the, me- the best of my ability as an 11-year-old uh, can and understand. My parents were not Christians, so they didn't teach me anything about the Bible. Everything I learned about the Bible, I, I would go with my friends to church and learn. And so when I was in high school, I understood that I needed to know more. And I went to my pastor in that particular church environment, and I said, I'm, I've been reading. Personally, I was reading in First Corinthians chapter 12 and First Corinthians chapter 14, and I was wanting answers from my pastor. And I looked at him wanting answers, and he looked at me, and he said, everything in First Corinthians 12 and 14 has passed away. It's no good for today. And so for me, as a young man of, of 17 years old, that was devastating. That was devastating. Here I saw a, a, the third person of the Trinity working in the lives of people, and this man of God was telling me to not know God. And so there were years, uh, four years after that, almost five years after that, so it was a journey, guys, and I, I want to take some of you on a journey and those that are, that are watching this video as well. You know, <clears throat> turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. We need to take a deep breath. I mean, think about the necessity of breathing. We need the Holy Spirit as much as we need to take a breath. Take a deep breath here. <sighs> wow. Wow. Doesn't that feel great? Isn't it refreshing? Ephesians 4.30 says, and this is from the Message Bible or the Message transliteration, don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. Moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for Himself. Don't take such a... uh, such a gift for granted don't take such a gift for granted there's three things that we need to do here number one we need to let go of fears and misperceptions let go of fears and misperceptions I know there's been a lot of things done in the name of the Holy Spirit but don't let that scare you away don't let that scare you away the Holy Spirit's not gonna make you a weirdo. He's not gonna make you strange. There are a lot of strange things done in his name, but he's not gonna make you strange. Look at this scripture Proverbs 3, verse 5. Proverbs 3 5. Let's read the first two words together out loud. Are you ready? Trust God. That's a huge step. Huge step. You, 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 have to, you have to go all the way. You have to trust God with all your heart. Look at this. From the bottom of your heart, don't try to figure out everything in your head. Or don't try to figure out everything on your own. Don't lean on your own understanding, one version says. Don't trust your head, but trust God, right? We've got to trust God more than what, what our head says. Get rid of your fears. Get rid of your preconceptions or misperceptions, Right? Number two, go all in. Go all in. I'm reminded of the very first time that I allowed myself to be strapped to a uh, zip line. So we were were in North Carolina. Pastor Sheila and I were in North Carolina at a youth camp. And all the youth came running up. Well, they had prepared us ahead of time. You're going to go in the zip line, right? You're going to go in the zip line, right? You're going to go. And I was like, Secretly, I said, if you'll go, I'll go. And my wife loves a challenge. I mean, she's like, I'm going. We're going to do this. We're going to do this thing. I said, okay. okay." <laughs> because I've never liked heights. I've never liked heights. I'm I'm good down here. I'm, <laughs> I'm really good. I'm a landlubber, right? And so... We strap up, and, you know, we take the, the selfie photos with the helmet on, and we're like, yeah, we got, we, got this, we got this in the bag. And so, you know, it's easy to take a selfie photo, guys. It's easy. You can dress up, take the selfie photo, and have somewhat satisfaction that maybe you did the event. But, hey, when you strap it on, the selfie photo goes in your pants, and then you're climbing up this thing that's about 40 feet up in the air. There's a, point, there's, a, there's a point that's called the point of no return. <laughs> this is what we need to do, guys. We need to go all in. Yeah. There was a point where I'm climbing up that we, I mean, there's no looking back. I am going down the bungee, or not the bungee, but the zip. I'm telling you, and I'm up there holding on to everything, and the guy that's trying to help me, I'm like, you better move because I might grab you and pull you. <laughs> but They got, you know, one, two, three, I, I was ready to go. And I let out, "Woo!" yeah, it was good. (laughs) They had it on video and everything. But go all in. Don't, Don't go halfway. Look at your neighbor and say, don't go halfway. Don't go halfway. Go past the point of return. Look at Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me, when you seek me with all your heart. God doesn't just want half of you. He wants all of your heart. Don't be a part time church attender. Be a full time member of the body of Christ. Yes. Amen. Amen? The world does things because it's convenient. The world does things halfway. The world makes contra- the, a contract with each other so that they can get out of the contract. Listen, God has already made the contract with you, He's already sent the Holy Spirit, and He wants you to go all the way, all the way. Go all in. And then the third point here is develop an intimate friendship, intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, intimate friendship. Ultimately, this is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He is a friend. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is there with you when nobody else is with you. He is there with you when, uh, guys that are married, He is there with you when your spouse is in the bed as sick and you need a prayer partner. Have you ever been there? When your spouse is just fighting the good fight of faith and you need a prayer partner, but you've got to attend to your spouse and you, can't, you, can't, you don't have time to make a phone call, your prayer partner is the Holy Spirit. And he's hanging on to you. You're hanging on to him. And, and, and both of you are getting the job done for your lifelong partner, your mate. He's your intimate, intimate, intimate friend. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians 13 in the message. Verse 14 in the message. The amazing, this is a benediction, guys. If you know what a benediction is. A blessing at the end. Sometimes in our service, you know, I pray a blessing prayer. May the Lord keep you and shine, make his face shine upon you, and give you peace. You know, there are denominations that they can't dismiss a service without saying that. But through the Bible, there are many books of the Bible. At the end of that book, there's a benediction. And Second Corinthians one of them. Look at this. This is a benediction from Paul to the church. The amazing grace of the Master or the Father. Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, actually the grace belongs to Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That intimate friendship is translated in some translations as communion. Communion. The word communion actually means intimate friendship. The Father, through his Spirit, wants intimate friendship and fellowship with you. You know, my concern today is, is that some of you in your life has, ha, have experienced the love of the Father, um, the grace of the Son, but that you'll live this life without experiencing the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the, God the Father loves me. It's there on your blank. God the Father loves me. Did you know that God loves you? Regardless of how your father on this earth treated you or whether you ever met your father on this earth, God loves you with an everlasting love. He did all that he could do to open the door so that he could get to know you. I have one child, one child. She's 28 years old. And I can't stand up here and say that I would... Give the life of my child just to get to know you. But that's what God did. He loves you with an everlasting love. He wants to show you how much he loves you. Jesus, uh, God the Son, saves me. The second point, God the Son saves me. Jesus came to earth. He fulfilled the plan of the Father. He gave his life. He bled. He paid the price, and he died for us. He paid a debt that we couldn't pay. He walked on this earth like we walk on this earth. He gave his life. And so, he saves you. But God the Holy Spirit is with you. God the Holy Spirit is with us. God the Father knew that it wouldn't just be enough to send Jesus the Son. He made provision. And Jesus talked the whole time he was on. His earthly mission, he talked about this third person, the wind, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, the standby, the advocate. God, the Holy Spirit is with you to comfort you, to help you, to empower you. Because God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know that he knows you to develop this intimate friendship. There's some of you today that need fresh wind in your sails. You know, all of us uh, at times are driven by life out on the sea where there's no wind. There is a place in the seas, it's called the doldrums, where there's Two trade winds that meet. That there's a pocket in there where there's no wind, and when people say, "Yeah, it looks like you're in the doldrums," that's what they're talking about. That area there where there's no wind, and you have your sails up, but there's there's no wind. Some of us in here are in that place. We just we need a fresh wind, right? We've all been there. We all get there. It's not strange. We need. A fresh wind. We need a fresh wind. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, I thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit. The third person that seeks an intimate fellowship, relationship with us. Thank you for revealing him to us through this message. Thank you, Father, that this week you will continue to reveal the Holy Spirit to us. And through this series, you'll, you'll, you'll make him known. He's so real. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for those that are right now that are facing situations in their life and challenges where they don't know what to do, where they need help, where they need comfort, where they need some power in their lives. I thank you that your spirit comes brings a fresh wind if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus while we're praying this is this is the reason that we come we need to be introduced first to Jesus if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life if you've never accepted Him as your Savior, this, this can be the greatest day of your life. I'm, I'm going to pray for you, but f- before I do, I, want, I just want you to show me that, that you want to receive Him. Romans says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth and we're making an acknowledgement that we need Jesus... And so if you're sitting there today and you need Jesus, maybe you've walked away from him and you want to come back. I, I just would like to see your hand. As we're, everybody's heads bowed and every eyes closed, if you want to receive Jesus, just raise your hand right there where you are. Slip your hand up, let me see it. and we're going to pray together. Is that anybody in here?